Well, hi, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. It's been a while since I put out an episode, and I've actually been busy with a number of different things, but one of them is being a guest on other people's podcasts, which I've actually had a lot of fun doing. Now, with this episode, what we're doing is something a little bit different. I am actually going to share, with permission, a conversation that I had with my good friend Forbes West on the Meaty Industry Oh my gosh, it has been a while. On the Media Industry Guru podcast. So with permission from Forbes, who very kindly gave me the okay to share, I am going to stop talking. We're going to dive into this episode of the Media Industry Guru podcast with Forbes West and myself as the guest. And if you like what you hear, please consider subscribing to the podcast, the Midi, oh my gosh, again, the Media Industry Guru Podcast with Forbes West. I'm going to stop talking and I will see you at the end of this episode. Thank you so much. Let's go. Okay, high time now for our tune of the week. Come on, let's go. This is the Media Industry Guru Show, the show that exposes you to entertainment, music, film, TV, and tech. We're online 24-7, 24-7. You're listening to the hottest internet station. And welcome back, everyone. You know what day it is. Today... We're going to review the ins and outs of playlists and talk about how artists can make money. Yeah, if that's you, you might want to keep your ears on your headphones. You're thinking, well, how are playlists curated and what are the analytics behind a good playlist? Well, I have an industry expert who works for Chartmetric and he helps independent artists on and off the charts. He helps artists quit their day jobs and loves a great joke and helps out people. He celebrates every win and if you were to describe him as an artist, he would definitely relate to Daft Punk. <laughs> he has created a book called Work Hard, Playlist Hard and he has his own podcast and has been participating in the select group for LinkedIn's Accelerator program. Now let's introduce Mike Warner, Director of Artists, label DSP relations and analytical educator to the media industry guru. Hey Mike, how are you? Welcome to the podcast. Hey Forbes, so good to be here. It's strange because all the <laughs> conversations we've had, we kept saying we should press record and now we finally are. <laughs> yeah, I know. Finally, we've done that. Let's kind of reintroduce ourselves again. So tell us a little bit about yourself and like a 30 pitch blurb of who you are. Oh gosh, you're gonna try <laughs> and make me condense it. Um, wow, okay, let me see. Uh, I am currently the Director of Artist Label and DSP Relations for Chartmetric. We provide music analytics to the entire music industry from an independent artist all the way through to an A&R team at a major label. Mm -hmm. uh, could be TV and film studios looking for music data and so many other places. Outside of that, 
I'm an artist myself. I started out as a DJ, got into production, and that led to me going independent and writing a book and all of a sudden shifting from this person that makes and plays music into this person that spends more time talking and writing and <laughs> loving every minute of it. Yeah, it's awesome how you're involved in so many hats from the A&R perspective, the analytical perspective, um, podcasting, publishing a book. Um, you have like the whole 360 to it. So I want to talk about one of your first jobs in the industry was an MC. It was your first intro into music. So tell us what made you to decide to go in that direction versus just hopping right into the business. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so it's an interesting one because not many people know this, but I'm actually a pretty shy person, at least when I first meet someone. I mean, I'm very comfortable talking with you and I'm also very comfortable hiding behind a screen because you only see so much <laughs> of me. And the reality is, even now, I still push myself to do things that make me uncomfortable because I know how incredible it feels once you've done it. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how it was with MCing. What happened was I went into nightclubs as soon as I was old enough and I wanted to become a DJ and I did a course and I met these local promoters who didn't have any DJ gigs and said, oh, you've got a cool speaking voice. Here's a microphone. <laughs> Announce drink specials and say stuff. And I went, hmm, okay. And so well, I'll be honest, I wasn't the guy that was out in the middle of the club dancing up a storm, <laughs> singing on the microphone. I was the guy standing almost behind the DJ in the darkest corner I could find, talking in the breakdowns of songs and saying like, with a really high-pitched voice at the time, it would have been... I, I sounded like a freaking game show host and it was, <sighs> we got two for one vodka cruises right now. It's party time, Saturday night. Something as annoying <laughs> as that. I was that guy. And um, yeah, it's funny. So wow. I didn't want to do that. I was terrified of it, but I knew that if I said no, I wouldn't get any, up, any other opportunities. So I did that first. Mm-hmm gained a little bit of confidence with a microphone and eventually the DJ gigs came and I was so happy because all of a sudden now I don't have to say anything out loud. I can get the MC next to me to do that and I can just nod and smile while I play cool music, which suits <laughs> me perfectly. So yeah, it's one of those things. Just do something that scares you and uh, eventually yeah. you know, it can lead to greater things as well. Mm -hmm, definitely and it doesn't become as scary what i'm curious what genres did you play <laughs> oh, okay when i was first playing it was anything it was open format it was literally if i was playing in a bar and most of the people there were more than twice my age it was old rockers and <laughs> ballads and there was not a dry spot on the floor there was beer spilled oh. everywhere but they had a great time uh, okay. and i still learned plenty of skills from that okay not beat ma beat matching or anything like that <laughs> and then my first gig in a nightclub was a r&b nightclub um mm. in my hometown and that was a lot of fun because at the time i'd grow i'd grown up on r&b and hip-hop and i loved it and to be able to play it in a fun party setting and see people reacting to it and i, I was having a great time as well that was a lot of fun for me and then after a few years i really started to get into dance music i heard armand van helden you don't know me and i 
just something just clicked and I went, this is incredible. It has the same feel, the same energy, the same mm. soul of an R&B track, but it's more upbeat. And it makes me just want to throw my hands up in the air and <laughs> sing along. Um, and I, it just kind of went from there for me. I was like, wow, dance music. I, I, I love this. And so, you know, ever since then, I mean, where with music production, it's always been dance music for me, mm. but I've always had that love for hip hop and R and B and especially cool. the classics from the nineties. I mean, I, that's mm -hmm. what I'm listening to in my car when I'm driving around all day. Classic rock. Okay. Very cool. And it kind of goes hand in hand with what you do on a day-to-day -day basis, especially helping out artists and curating playlists. So tell us what it's like helping out uh, independent artists and their careers. And what have been some of the best strategies? It could be creative or analytical that you have provided to artists. Yeah. Look, I mean... Aside from the obvious ones, which honestly I feel we should still mention because a lot of artists still overlook is the things that are right there in your face that you're even getting emails reminding you about, such mm -hmm. as fill out that form on Spotify for artists. It doesn't matter if they haven't added your previous songs. The next one could be the one that resonates with the team, reaches the right person, gets on that playlist. Those forms take a few minutes to fill out. Mm -hmm. There's one on Spotify, there's one on Amazon, there's plenty of other services where you can do this now. Beyond that, you know, I've seen a lot of artists and I go, well, let's play on your strengths. If you're great in front of a camera and you're pretty creative, let's get you on TikTok. Let's get you out there in front of people because what's going to happen is they're going to fall in love with you. Mm -hmm. And then they're going to find out that you also create music and yeah. they already love you as a person, as a personality, <laughs> as a creator. So mm -hmm. even in, and what I've found is even if they don't necessarily like your music, it's not their vibe. They don't like that genre. They're likely to still tell people about it and say, Hey, don't you like country music? Have you heard this artist? Mm -hmm. They sound really good. I mean, I'm not, in, I'm not into country, but you might be, um, I've definitely artists that think outside of the box are the ones that have really excelled, especially in these past two years, because, you know, gigs have been off the table. A lot of in-person mm -hmm. events have been off the table. So it's really been, you have to get online and you have yeah. to, you have to put it out that way. Mm. You're not going out shaking hands and attending <laughs> no. parties anymore. Yeah. Um, and so you know, every artist is different. The ones that, like I said, are comfortable on camera, great. Go live on Twitch, talk it up. Go on TikTok, post videos. If mm -hmm. if you're not that type of artist, maybe it's Instagram uh, where you can just post a picture and things like that. Mm. Or Twitter where you share insightful tweets or you share your journey and you talk about your music creation process on there. Mm -hmm there has to be at least one of those platforms that you focus your attention on. And I mean, I know people say be on all of them, but the reality is that there's going to be one where you spend most of your time. Where you're good at, yeah. Yeah. A lot of artists have come to me and said, how come like one of their songs that's in a playlist that somebody else curated 
blew up massively versus if they didn't even create a playlist, it would only get a few thousand streams. Is it just luck or how does that structure work? Well, let's put it this way. Luck may play a small part in it, but unless you submitted for that opportunity, you have no chance. So one thing going back to those submission forms for Amazon and Spotify as examples, yeah. Yes, you're submitting with the end goal of getting on a playlist. Cool, mm-hmm. but there's so much more to those forms than just that. What people are starting to find with these platforms is that by filling out these forms, you're tagging the mood, the genre, the location of the artist and the collaborators. You're adding all of this additional information to that song, which mm-hmm. is traveling with that song within these platforms. So what's happening is you may not get on a playlist but your song may get delivered mm-hmm. through radio with yeah. similar artists and they may actually be testing that audience to get their feedback, which okay. could then lead to, of course, playlists as well. But mm-hmm. I'll be honest, I won't say who um, because they're, they're rather <laughs> humble and, and shy. But one artist that I was speaking with, they actually had over 4 million streams on Apple Music on radio. So mm. not even by being on any playlists. And um, yes, they do pay that, and that does pay similar to a stream on a playlist. Mm-hmm. And the reason that that happens is we're adding all this additional information to our music and it's reaching the right people. In this case, mm-hmm. uh, their genre is children's music. And so they made sure that they included the correct information when they uploaded the release to their distributor. And it ended up, it didn't necessarily get to an editor for a playlist, but it ended Mm. up on radio and some would argue had an even better result. So as far as what artists can do, when you're filling out these forms, add all those details, check all those instruments that you've included in the production, add those moods because you will find, you may find that you will end up on radio stations within these (laughs) platforms, which... In all honesty, the way that we're going, they are becoming more powerful than playlists because people are just saying, just give me some music. I don't need to go hunting Mm. for a playlist. I just want this type of music. And an interesting figure that I saw shared from Ben Harvey at Pandora was that for mood-based playlists or chill more specifically, over 40% of people requesting mood music were actually using their voice. So they're not even <laughs> opening the app and looking and looking at all the playlist options. They're just saying, give me some mood, give me some chill music, <laughs> or I'm in a chill mood, give me something. And that's it. Mm. So, okay. and a lot of those, yes, they may be, they may come from a playlist, but they also have radio stations built on that for that purpose. Mm. Yeah, that is really interesting how. Um, playlists are just like uh, curated and the difference of streaming versus like radio today is it's really powerful um, for artists and artists are always kind of also thinking at the forefront of how to monetize and basically the main sorts of income have been touring uh, merch and streaming when the royalties and payout is really low for streaming so Everyone's talking about the digital web spaces like Web3, NFTs. Could you elaborate on like what these are and how they're beneficial to content creators, artists, and even creatives who want to work in this industry? I can definitely point 
everyone in the direction of some people that are doing incredible things in that space. The first person that comes to mind is an artist called Kayla Love, K-A-I-L-A. She was actually the first rapper to sell a song as an NFT, mm. um, or I should say mint, um, but she's released books on the subject and there's a large amount of content that is available on her social media channels as well. Mm. And I'm still learning. I, <laughs> Same. It, yeah. It's crazy. I mean, I, I feel like even just today looking at the news, I'm blown away by it. How, how much has happened and <laughs> it mm -hmm. continues to happen so yeah I it's definitely something I know is important and uh -huh. I am watching closely but I'm definitely sending people in the direction of those that are more okay. deeply immersed in that space gotcha. do you think that these could potentially long term be good alternatives for artists because I think there's like some sort of authenticity factor with touring like people love just seeing the artists and the artists love seeing their fans and that having that relationship. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I, I think the more options artists have, the better. And, mm -hmm. you, you know, everyone's going to have their own uh, ways that they like to engage with their fans and, and give their fans opportunities and things like that. So, you know, I'm all for it. I say, I say, go for it. And mm -hmm. I, I love the fact that while for many of us live concerts aren't exactly you know back to where they were in 2019 mm -hmm. the opportunities to be able to do this and for people to be able to be immersed in this experience from the comfort of their own home is great because there's some people yeah. that before all of this weren't interested in going to a live concert for whatever reason but want that experience so mm -hmm. i think it's great to give give your fans options and also i mean the venue is the entire world when mm -hmm. you do this, which is crazy. <laughs> you know, it's um, yeah. you don't need to do a world tour. You could do one one concert and yeah. have it go live at the same time for people around the world to experience. That's so mm -hmm. cool. Yeah, there there's just some uniqueness factor to it in person versus just like listening to the song on your headphones. Um, but you have also a fan base too, so I want to kind of switch gears and talk about your fan base and your book and essentially like what's one chapter of your book work hard playlist hard that people should like highlight underline like scribble a ton of times to like gain all that information wow only one um you know what i i think there's one that i continue to push whenever i speak with artists because i i feel it gets overlooked and some of it is not understanding the importance of it some of it is feeling like it would be too time consuming but at the very very least and this may feel basic but hear me out having a presence on all of these platforms so mm -hmm. i know a lot of artists are very focused on one platform could be okay. Spotify or Amazon, mm -hmm. whatever that is. That's fine. You can still spend a lot of time on there as a listener, but just remember that people may be listening to your music on other platforms around the world. Upload some photos, add your bio, add links to your social media. So if somebody discovers you, they go, okay, this artist has a home on here. They've touched this platform. I can now go and follow them on Instagram and see more of what they're about and keep up to date with what they're doing. Um, 
I've seen artists do this and they've been blown away because they've actually had people reach out to them on social media and go, I found you on this platform. Hmm. The artist yeah. doesn't know anything about the platform other than they went in and updated their profile uh -huh. one day. And <laughs> they're discovering fans the same way that fans are discovering the artist. Mm -hmm. And the time consuming part I wanted to address is there's no expectation that you're logging into all of these quote unquote for artists platforms every day or every week. Mm -hmm. Log in there. You've got that bio saved in a note on your phone or on your computer. Paste <laughs> it in there. You've got the same five photos in a folder. Upload them. Once that's yeah. done, I mean, let's be real. We update our bio maybe once per year. Some of us are guilty of updating mm -hmm. it every few years. So... True. I mean, I learned my lesson and I have a bio that doesn't say album coming in X. I, I don't <laughs> have anything future dated in the bio. So worst case, it might look like I'm talking about a release that was from a year ago. Um, that's smart. <laughs> but yeah, you know, once you go in and do it, that's it. And then mm -hmm. as a practice, when you've got an EP or an album, yeah, you might want to log in and just do a quick update on all of those platforms. You may have a new a new image you want because you want to make sure that it looks the same on all platforms so people recognize that image whether it's your face as an individual or a band or a group yeah um you know that's important for consistency as well because that way google actually go and match that image to other platforms so when they deliver results when you're searching for an artist they go well this is definitely the same forbes west that dropped that hip-hop album last year so let's <laughs> make sure we add all those links together yeah wow that's a really good uh summary of your book and you also are really innovative in that you are a part of this linkedin accelerator program that helps independent artists but also career professionals navigate through this crazy music industry so tell us what have been some of the major takeaways from the program and uh share with us some of the experiences and how you've helped music business professionals yeah, sure. So the LinkedIn Creator Accelerator program is a group of 100 people that have been selected from different industries, different backgrounds, uh, different topics that they're passionate about. And LinkedIn basically just said, keep doing what you're doing. We're going to give you support, give you additional tools and help you mm. to grow the LinkedIn community around your topic. So for me, it's music and more specifically, my content is focused on artists. Whether, whether you're signed with a label or not, doing the work yourself, that's who I wanted to be speaking to mostly. Mm -hmm. So as part of the program, it's been fantastic because I've been able to, yes, put out content, videos, things like that, but specifically for artists, I've been able to say, okay, this week, our focus is entirely about um, other income streams for artists. And so mm -hmm. what I found was that, yes, I would have five or 10 suggestions and then everyone would jump in the comments and share their own experiences, what they've done. You know, I had things that I'd never even thought of before, like artists saying, well, I actually write all my own lyrics. So I went <laughs> and published a book on Amazon with all of my lyrics in there mm. for my fans. And, you know, I've had other <laughs> artists that have said, well, you know, I'm actually a 
painter myself. So I, mm. what I've done is I actually paint live while my music's playing in a live stream. And then I sell that painting after and sign it for a fan. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, just all of these incredible ideas. And then things like um, different music grants that are available in different countries uh -huh. as well. You know, just telling people that they exist and to search for them. There's people out there that have mm. said things like, I found this $10,000 grant I applied for, which applied to me and my genre of music and where I live. And mm. it helped so much with missing touring revenue. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know how important these things are for artists. So it's it's been, fast, it's been fantastic because I'm learning <laughs> from this in the same way that I hope everyone else is. And I'm seeing this community that's extremely supportive where everyone mm -hmm. is happy to help each other and there's no competition. You know, everyone is competing with themselves, but not with anyone else beyond themselves. So mm -hmm. they're, they're happy to tell you how they made some extra money, whether it's from music they've already created or from something they've done in their spare time with the skills that they have. You know, I've even seen people that have decided, oh, I never even thought about it, but I could totally teach guitar lessons, <laughs> you know, and, and things like that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's great. And I, I just, that's what I've been looking for. And I'm not saying that other platforms don't have it, but that's the reason why I've really stuck with LinkedIn over the years, because for me personally, I found a lot of engagement. I found that people are a lot more accessible. Link mm -hmm. The whole purpose of LinkedIn is to connect and have a community. Whereas other platforms, while that is the purpose of them, you'll find that a lot of people, it's actually their personal profile. For example, Facebook, where they, they have photos of their family and they post very personal things on there. They're not looking to connect with you on there. LinkedIn, it's, I'm a professional creator. You're a professional creator. Mm -hmm. Let's let's connect. Let's talk about this. Let's collaborate. So yeah, just having a great time on there and enjoying seeing that growth. And I'm, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that's one of the first places we connected as well. Yeah, it was. And it's really fascinating how LinkedIn can be so powerful for just anybody that just gets on that platform and having like you teaching others in a such a very ambitious community that's powerful and seeing the rewards of helping an artist or a business person just grow um, just through your wisdom is just fascinating. I mean, I've even learned a lot personally and professionally from you in terms of even creating a podcast and you also have an podcast as well one of your most famous episodes that i've listened to a couple of times is a to z of dsp tools and tips it is so cool and really you hone in on each dsp what are the benefits of it how can artists monetize through each one and just the step-by-step -step process so would you say that's one of your favorite episodes or just tell us what it is about your podcast um and what decided for you to venture into this space because this was before you did the linkedin audio stuff yeah you know it's really funny the two most popular podcast episodes in terms of listeners and feedback from my podcast weren't intended to be podcast episodes mm. the first one was actually a live conversation 
that I did at the CD Baby DIY Musician Conference in Austin, Texas in mm. 2019. And they were so kind as to give me a recording of that and allow me to upload it. Um, <laughs> and the second one was, as you know, the A to Z of DSP tools and tips. Mm -hmm. That was actually a live stream that I did on all social platforms. And then I just took the audio of that and did a quick little intro to make sure it worked on the podcast. And mm. I cut out things where I said on your screen, there's a URL and things like that. Yeah. And I uploaded it. Um, but where it gets really fun is just as I finished that live stream, Spotify enabled video podcasts. So what I had, oh. what I actually ended up doing on Spotify yeah, right. was saying, if you're listening to this podcast on Spotify in the app, go in the bottom left corner and <laughs> tap on the tap on the icon there, and all of a sudden people were able to watch the full presentation yeah. uh, as well as listen, and that was pretty mind blowing because I was like, wow, I mm. never thought I'd be able to be in Spotify in video format, <laughs> and you know, people can watch it on their TVs in the Spotify app or on yeah. their phones or on the computer. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's having a lot of fun experimenting with all of these new features like that. And like I said, the two most popular podcast episodes weren't intended to be, they were mm -hmm. just recordings of something that had happened. So don't be afraid to repurpose that content and share it because not everyone is following you on YouTube and not everyone is catching you live on LinkedIn or watching your Instagram feed constantly. And there's nothing wrong with sharing it in other locations as well. Yeah, it's really great to take advantage of those resources because one, they're free. And two, we can post like the same content on tons of different social media platforms because every single artist and professional that I've spoken with has either talked about some sort of data into like their day-to-day -day or digital content and it's galore i mean you have TikTok, you have instagram you have facebook you have even twitter's a medium <laughs> there's there's tons and tons and tons and people are getting into podcasting and um you can put up your content there or on the dsps and it's it's fascinating how digital media can change a person's life and make it so impactful yeah Definitely. And to touch on that point we had before, when it comes to podcasts, I mean, as the conversation you mentioned that we had previously, make your podcast available everywhere. You know, unless <laughs> you're getting paid mega bucks to be exclusive <laughs> on one platform, which yeah. we've seen happen, make it available everywhere because mm -hmm. people will have that one podcast app that they listen to. And if you're not available on there, they're not necessarily going to go and download a new app just to hear you. Um, that's yeah. just the harsh reality. So make mm -hmm. it available to everyone. Have a presence on all of these different podcasting platforms and apps. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is really good advice. Do you have any advice for people navigating in this industry, whether it is independent artists or um, music professionals trying to um, come out of college, uh, navigate through it? Because there's so many different sectors. There's promotions, there's the booking side and touring and analytics and the DSPs and promotions and radio. And um, that's just to name a few. Yeah. From personal experience, ask a lot of questions and 
read a lot of articles and watch mm -hmm. videos and if it doesn't feel right and you don't feel like it's talking to you then go somewhere else and and find something that does talk to you i mean i'm one person that's putting this information out there and not everyone may like my accent or the way that my writing style <laughs> i think it's cool <laughs> thank you but you know there's hundreds of people that are putting this very much the same information out there um mm -hmm. so you know that's important i mean find someone that you enjoy listening to you enjoy their writing style and they're going to keep you hooked and mm -hmm. you're going to be able to learn from them um and yeah, asking questions. I mean, there is nothing wrong with asking a question. Mm -hmm. My main piece of advice is however that outreach is, whether it's an email or a DM or something like that, keep it as short as you can because I've said this many times, but the shorter the message, the quicker and more likely there will be a reply. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by this is, there's been times where someone has sent me a essentially two page email oh, and I look at it and being brutally honest, I put it to the side and I'll reply to all the e emails that I can answer quickly and archive and, and keep going. So yeah. I always tell people, I say, look, the reason that your email is pushed to the side is because it was so long. I feel like it needs mm -hmm. a response equally as long. Otherwise, yeah. I'd feel guilty giving you a one <laughs> sentence answer. So, <laughs> you know, as weird as it sounds, nowadays I'm finding that more and more people are saying, don't email me, text me, because it forces you to keep it short. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if it's initial outreach with someone you don't know, a DM on LinkedIn, I mean, if I, one way that I reach out to people is all of these conferences are online right now. Mm -hmm. And what's great about that is while they're happening, you can listen to that person speak, work out what you would say if you were there in person and you got to ask a question or meet them at the end, mm. send that to them in a DM and just say, yeah. thank you so much for speaking at X today. I actually had something to add about what you said here and then include your question. And you'll be surprised how many of them, number one, you've shown why you're reaching out to them. You've shown that you mm -hmm. paid attention to what they were saying. You've complimented them and thanked them yeah that's reason enough and then you have a simple question that they can answer i mean you know you're going to find that you're going to get a very high response rate from that yeah and i definitely agree with keeping emails short i've always learned from um professionals that three sentences is probably best it's kind of like an elevator pitch you keep it to 30 seconds or like you could just look at the LinkedIn characters when sending a personal note and connecting with somebody that's about the length that you want to send in an email yeah and look there's no there's no one-size-fits-all template yeah. that works best for emails but um you know one thing I've found is if someone wants more information sure that then it's go for it if they say <laughs> hey send send me everything that's when you can follow up and paste in all of that stuff that you were going to send in the first email. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, it's kind of like, as weird as it sounds, I mean, in person, it was very much the same. If I mm -hmm. just walked up to someone and said, hey, I'm Mike, it's really nice to meet you. 
I'm an artist and I just hang on a second. I'm just going to tell you all about myself and my bio. <laughs> oh boy. And then anyway, here's a song. Listen to this. Listen to this. They're probably going to run away. But <laughs> if I went, hey, I just wanted to let you know that I really appreciated what you said about artists and how they should pay attention to multiple platforms. Mm -hmm. You know, I've actually found some success with TikTok recently applying that strategy and then repurposing that content on other platforms. Just wondering if there's any new platforms that you've seen in the last year that you think are worth paying attention to. And, you know, that's it. And then they go, yeah. yeah, there is actually, there's, <sighs> there's two platforms I'd like to tell you about. And then yeah. the conversation can get larger from there. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's it's one of those things that I wish I'd learned a long time ago because I probably ran, ran people out of time before I actually got to the ask, the question. Mm. Um, and they would just remember me as that guy that rambled on oh. Had to basically run and get a cab and get out of there so they didn't miss their flight. <laughs> I don't see you as the type to ramble. You keep things very brief in your emails. And um, no, that's a great tip that everybody should be aware of. Today's age, especially people in their 20s, they are, want things instantly and fast and quick. They don't read essays. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, anything upcoming that's like really exciting in terms of? Uh, your new goals. Do you have any goals for this year in 2022? Yeah. You know, it's it's a funny one because I have a full-time day job and then I also still make music in my spare time with my friends under Date Night is our group. And one of our goals is to finish our second album and have it ready. Ideally, we would love to have it out by the end of the year, but we also know it's not worth rushing after how long it's been since the first album. Mm -hmm. Beyond that, a lot of goals that I have, I actually keep to myself because a lot of them revolve around behind the scenes things such as helping an artist that I've seen that I feel is deserving. So mm -hmm. a lot of things that I do, I do because I believe in that artist and I believe in their music. And if I can do something mm. quickly that helps them, I just go ahead and do it and it feels great. I don't need the recognition for that. And I'm certainly don't need any money or anything like that. You know, I just do it because I love to help. And then the other thing is just putting out more content. As long as it keeps helping, I'll keep mm -hmm. building and putting it out. And I don't ever want to have to put it behind a paywall or anything like that. I just want it to be, here it is. But one thing that I, a personal goal for myself uh, is, oh, I've actually already achieved it now, but I finally recorded and released an audiobook version of my book after delaying it for three years. And wow. because of imposter syndrome, self-doubt, nerves, all of that, I finally just said, screw it. Just do it. Enough people have told me to do it. And my wife actually made a fantastic point and said, you're not actually doing this for yourself. You're doing it for people who it could be an accessibility thing. There's people mm -hmm. that picking up a book you're may right. not be an yeah. option. It could be a visual thing. Um, 
and an audiobook might actually work better for them. Then mm -hmm. there's the people that prefer to listen while they're driving or doing other things. So that felt incredible. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I wish I hadn't put it off for as long as I have, <laughs> but putting away any money from the first two books, I was able to basically record the audiobook in a nice studio and break even, mm -hmm. which is all I ever wanted to do wow. from this. And it's now out in the world. So, and it's on Amazon. It's yeah, it's on Audible and a number of other platforms as well. Wow. But yeah, beyond that, I just want to keep helping. Uh, you know, it feels good for me. I, you know, fortunately, as a creator, platforms like LinkedIn are also supporting me mm -hmm. financially to continue doing what I'm doing. So I love the fact that I can continue to do this, create good quality content and just put it out and make it available for anyone that wants it. Yeah. Given such great advice to industry rising stars, <laughs> you are such an advocate for artists and advocate for people that want to be in this industry that are very passionate. And thank you for doing this. This is amazing. And Wishing you all great success for your audiobook and for your LinkedIn Creator Accelerator program and more that's to come from Mike, I'm sure, this year. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Forbes. I'm really glad that you have this podcast. I remember when you first mentioned it and I went, that's perfect for you because <laughs> you are the person that continues the conversations, does the follow-ups, talks with everyone, connects everyone. It Thank just you. makes sense. And you've got such a great energy about you when you speak as well that, you know, it really shows in this. So I'm looking forward to seeing your podcast on the top of the charts real <laughs> soon. <laughs> It'll take a long time to get there, but I appreciate all the support. And it's been a pleasure having you as a mentor and on this podcast. So Best of luck and we'll keep in contact soon. Definitely. Thank you, Forbes. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Media Industry Guru podcast. Check out the Instagram at Media Industry Guru for all the details on the latest and coolest, I mean coolest, upcoming episodes that you will hear. Email at Media Industry Guru podcast at gmail.com for any other interviews that you would like to hear or if you would like to be on the air and give a little promo or talk about yourself or just even chat with me because you know I'm, I'm doing this. I'm invested in this and tune in weekly 6 p.m pacific 9 p.m eastern on tuesdays on the anchor app spotify stitcher pocket cast breaker and many more streaming platforms thanks again for all of the support and peace out and let's rock and roll And that was my conversation with Forbes West as part of the Media Industry Guru podcast. 
As mentioned at the start of this episode, Forbes was so kind to give me permission to upload this conversation and share it as part of my podcast as well. I hope that you've enjoyed this and I highly encourage you to check out the Media Industry Guru podcast. Forbes has a large, crazy amount of interviews on there with thoughtful, smart, inspiring, forward-thinking people in the music industry and in the media industry outside of music as well. Definitely worth checking out. And one last thing from me, shameless plug to let you know that my course is now live on LinkedIn Learning. I am now officially a LinkedIn Learning instructor. If you'd like to check that out, there is a link in the show notes. Other than that, Thank you very much for listening. Thank you, Forbes, for allowing me to upload and share this episode with everyone. And let me know your feedback. Should I keep doing this? Should I continue sharing other podcasts to all of you as well? I want to highlight other people outside of myself, of course, that are doing great things. And I I feel that they deserve an audience. So let me know. Thank you so much for listening. Take care. And I'll see you in the next episode.